Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goal. Thank you, everyone, for joining today's episode of How Did They Do a Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, Sayla Prack. Today, I am honored to be joined by Terry Hell. Terry is an author of eight published books numerous trade and business magazine articles, and has presented live seminars to over 85,000 attendees across the nation for educational advisory services. Terry has been featured on CBS Radio, KFWB, and several syndication radio podcast networks as the leading authority in the commercial real estate investing. Today, with the support of his family and the help of his advisory staff, Terry continues to actively share his services with his clients for limited partnerships. Terry Hell has over 25 years of real estate-related marketing, training, teaching, and investing experience. He has been on several boards of directories providing real estate education programs in multiple countries. So it's a great honor to have you here on the show today, Terry. How are you doing? Excellent, Sarah. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you so much. So Terry, can you tell our listener a little bit more about your background and how you get started with real estate to begin with? Yeah, absolutely. So when I started out in real estate many moons ago, I did things quite differently. I didn't take any type of you know mentorship or coaching classes to get involved in real estate. My father and his three brothers were construction and developers. So being construction workers and coming from that line of work and from that family life, um, I was the one that was supposed to be in queue to take over the business per se. And my three older sisters and I grew up in uh, out here in Southern California area and went to school and spent a lot of time on the East Coast out in New York and lived part-time out in Texas as well, where my uncles eventually moved to. And they did a lot of development out in Frisco, Texas. Long and short, I realized quickly that sitting there swinging the hammer in the hot sun was not something I wanted to do, nor was running a construction company. So I jumped in with both feet and brought on someone who was very, very wealthy And they taught me the business of the other side, which is to purchase the buildings and rent out after rehab and keep it for cash flow. And so about five years down the road of doing that, I realized that I learned it from someone who was doing things because they were ultra wealthy. And I could not follow that same path because I went to the bank after uh, I went and got my financial legs and moving forward several years on, I amassed a small portfolio doing things the conventional way, which was to go and get bank loans, sit across from bankers and lenders, create those relationships. And then one day they said, Jerry, we like you. We know you know the business, you have a portfolio, but we can't loan any more money to you because you're buying too rich and you guarantee too much debt. And that was the problem was that I was following that wealthy, that rich person's game. So I had to reinvent the wheel and I realized that there were highly motivated sellers out there who were sitting on properties of all different types, of all different locations, all different sizes and class, right? And I realized that these people actually have to sell, not just want to sell. And the reason why they have to sell is because they're lacking in various types of things like marketing management, collections. They don't have capital to rehab. And so I started 
asking for creative terms and structures. So for the last 25 years, that's exactly what I've been doing. So I've been buying property that is from these highly motivated sellers that are all across the nation and also in multiple countries where they are sitting on property that's maybe sitting at 10, 20, 30% occupancy, and it doesn't even qualify for bank financing anyway. So seller financing and creative structures are a really great solution. That makes sense. And Terry, thank you so much for sharing your background on that. And uh, you mentioned about the yeah. yeah creative financing and finding all this deal with 10 or 20 or 30 like occupancy. Can you share with our listeners, what are some of the tips that you find successful to find all off-market deals, market sellers? Yeah, absolutely. So there's obviously online, there's offline, there's direct building relationships with brokers Mm because brokers are in the know. I had a property sale that was out in, it was a place called Glen Rose. It's out in Texas. And this property, it's a self-storage facility because I've done a lot of those, over 10,000 doors in self-storage. And this particular property was only sitting at 30% occupancy when I grabbed it with seller financing. My partner and I, who was a client that I taught the business to, we got it up to sitting around 70% from 30%. We went to this broker, his name's John. You know what John said to me? He said, Terry, I don't want to take on this property right now because I'm going to get too many lowball offers and tire kickers. Why don't you get it up to market occupancy at about 85 to 90%, bring it back to me and I'll trade it then. So John's telling me that at a 70% property, John's in the know of people like me in that position. And relationship building with brokers is a killer tip mm-hmm. for people. Brokers are in the know. They understand market. They understand saturation. They understand absorption. They understand a big fish in the small pond, small fish in the big pond scenario. They understand the local municipality, if they're fast tracking for new development and what's happening in the area. So that's one tip is dealing direct with brokers and creating them as allies to get those deals in front of you. We do a lot of business. I'd say about 40% of our business is direct with brokers. We do jump on different websites that are out there, regardless of Mm -hmm. property type, whether it's one that maybe a lot of your listeners are familiar with, like LoopNet or CityFeed or Crexy or Argus or one of these websites that are out there. I've always said that deals are not found, they're created. And the craziest thing about my teaching is that I share with people the tactics and strategies to look at key identifiers. I'll give you a few examples. Days on market, when something's sitting close to 180 days, that's your average broker's listing, right? I mean, look at all the calls that they've taken, all the tire kickers, as I mentioned, right? They've spent capital in marketing. They've fielded countless calls, like I said, Mm -hmm. and they've maybe even had their assistant sourcing the right buyers. So when it comes to the end of their listing at that 180 days, they're scratching for offers. So days on market is something that's a key identifier that we look for. And then obviously anything that's got vacancy where we can create the lift by filling the vacancy, raising rent, stabilizing the property, utilizing third-party marketing management and collections. And all that's all paid for by the property. So if your listeners like armchair investing, as I call it, um, it gives you the freedom. I mean, I spent over a month and a half out in Europe. I was uh, cruising all through Italy and I'm still conducting businesses as if I was sitting in the office. And that's where I got my tan from. So <laughs> it's quite warm over there this time of year. But yeah, so that's a really good tip. Websites when going on any website that has a key search field, meaning a filter like LoopNet, for example, if you go to the filter section, there's some keyword section where you can actually type in seller financing, seller will carry, value add, all those types of key identifiers. And you'd be surprised looking around. It's not rocket science. A lot of commercial property out there. And we look at a lot of deals. 
that's a great, really great, great tip. So thank you so much, Larry. And you mentioned about the yeah. seller financing and creative terms on it, right? Do you have any tips of how to approach the sellers the right way to come up with a, a proper solution that actually win-win for both, right? The buyer and the seller for them to do a seller finance? Yeah. I love that. It's so important to right, seller, because one of the things we need to work for to sum it up, what you just said is very powerful, very profound yeah. words, mutual benefit. And too many people that are out there to get a deal done, to make it happen, just looking for their interest, which they should. It's their responsibility to take care of their financial situation and take care of their family and generational wealth and all those beautiful things that we're here to do. And we're blessed to be able to reach out and create. But at the end of the day, we can't lose the sight on that mutual benefit and really focusing on what their wants, desires, and needs are, meaning the sellers, right? right. So here's a really good tip. When you're in a position and you're looking to ask and probe for seller financing, there's some things that we need to know before we can get there, right? Number one is how much they owe on the property. And then when we know how much they owe on the property, we want to get a feel for what their monthly debt service is and then also when that note actually blooms. Because if we get in there and we prematurely ask for seller financing out of the gate and you get a no, then you're going to be like, who is that guy, Terry? That guy's stuff doesn't work. But it does work, but you have to have the intel. Knowledge is not power. Applied knowledge is power. So you have to make sure that you are when you're in creation mode and you're going to ask for seller financing and have them carry 90%, and then you're going to go and hit them with a certain offer. You want to make sure that your offer isn't lower than what they owe. And you want to make sure that if you're going to ask for 36 months or seven years or 10 years on the note, you want to make sure that their note's not going to balloon in 24 months, right? Because you're going to get the instant no. And you got to be careful with the interest rate. You can't just get out there and say, gosh, it'd be great to get 4% or 5% interest. But if they're servicing 7 or 8% interest or a mm-hmm. hard money loan at 10%, then you're going to get a no right out of the gate. And it was just lack of intel. So you need to probe a little bit, get their financial picture, and then go ahead and point out some additional benefits. And if your listeners are taking additional notes, here's another great tip. Um, point out the fact that there's massive capital gains. And this is only good if somebody's going to be 1031ing. And for those of you who don't know what a 1031 is, that means that you sell the property, you take those proceeds, you put it to a like kind and quality other property, and you're parlaying that capital to avoid that tax. And so by doing the 1031, you can mention to them, hey, look, if you're planning to do a 1031, maybe now is not the best time to do it because interest rates are so high. Mm-hmm. Why don't we posture, you create a 36-month seller finance note for me or a 48-month seller finance note. We just tied one down Friday and it was 48 months, which is a great deal at 5% wow. interest only oh, to wow. keep the payment roll up. Yeah. So one of the questions that you might or suggestions you might want to make on that tip is say, how would you like to just become the bank? Pick back. You don't have to worry about management. You don't have to worry about collections. You don't have to worry about property ownership at this point because you're going to be the bank seller financing me and we can posture and then you can 1031 at a later time when interest rates are lower, mm-hmm. when other properties will be available. And we find that by pointing that out, we're seeing that a lot of these sellers are really motivated to sell property and just create an income stream. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level and growing our own multifamily business. 
If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both. And we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. That makes sense. That makes sense. Terry, that's a lot of tips of how to, to approach the sellers and talking with them of how to get a seller finance that the appropriate way, right? That the win-win situation for both sides. Yeah. And you mentioned that at some point you actually like purchasing property outside the United States as well, right? So what right. made you going abroad, going to other countries? Can you share some insight? Yeah, well, first and foremost, Canada is pretty darn close to us. So <laughs> it's just a border thing, right? And people think out of the country, oh my gosh, I'm going to go and purchase across the, across the planet. When in reality, um, within a two-hour flight, I could be in Vancouver and going to places like Yelltown and Gastown and all these spots that have just absolutely exploded in wealth. It's just another situation where we can lock down with a partner, strike a business relationship with them and be able to move some capital around and buy property. We did that out in Sydney as well mm-hmm. uh, when we had actually purchased a restaurant and a large ho- a boutique hotel, which was a great buy. We got it for super cheap and it's not too far from some very popular tourist attractions. So there's always going to be property here in the U.S. that we want to move on to purchase. But going to other areas like in Mexico and places that have so much development and there's so many other players that are there doing ground up development, it's just a natural transition to also look in other places instead of just sticking at home. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. And Terry, so I want to ask a question. It's like you don't have the crystal ball, but you have invested in a lot of properties. In the current markets, yeah. if somebody wanted to jump in into investing in real estate now, what do you say to them and which asset class would you recommend for them to get started? Very good question. Very intelligent question. And so let me give you an intelligent answer. Being the fact that I don't have a crystal ball and nobody does, it's all predictions, but Common sense, which isn't so common, tells us that the market is cyclical, right? And Mm -hmm. it goes around in circles. And so I don't have the exact timeline of that, but I would highly encourage people to get involved in commercial real estate investing or any real estate investing because real estate can see it, touch it. Unfortunately, sometimes you can smell it, but (laughs) as if you're doing those nasty rehabs. But yeah, real estate has always been rock solid. It's made more multimillionaires than just about any other industry on the planet especially commercial because of the reoccurring revenue, locking in on a property and creating passive monthly income. And then what I'm doing now, I went to retirement twice and I came out because of the market and there was so much opportunity for the negative deferred amortized loans. And then I said, okay, I'm done forever. Like I'm good. And then my wife wanted to have a baby. And so we ended up having our son cash and that boosted something that I refer to as generational wealth building. And now what I'm doing is just leaving a legacy for my son and for generations to come. So if somebody wants to jump into commercial real estate, I would highly suggest that they look at recessionary proof property. Now, contrary to belief, most people would jump right into multifamily because it's affordable housing, right? People lose a home. Where do they go? They transition into apartment. But what's kind of a hidden sector? And there's many recessionary proof properties. There is multifamily. There is self-storage, which I was just alluding to. That's apartments without the people. There's over 50,000 self-storage facilities across the nation, and over 90% of them are owned by mom and pop. And I'd say out of probably six out of 10 that we do, um, they don't have an e-commerce platform, no website. It's all drive-by traffic. 
And these are like the hidden gems, the 100 to 300 unit storage facilities that are sitting in sub-markets right outside MSA, the Metropolitan Statistic Area. And you can jump in on these properties and the price points are right at hovering around a million bucks to two million bucks. And a lot of times these are the ones that the sellers want to sell or finance. And you can create monthly passive income, stabilize them. You can automate and modernize these facilities by fencing, adding security cameras and lighting just like we do. And then using a company like Easy Storage Solutions, which is a third-party marketing management company and a great solutions company that handles all the customer service. You're not ever picking up the phone and dealing with a customer. So it's a really good asset class to get into. And I'd encourage folks to get into that asset class and then look at anything that's C plus and better and stay away from the rough ones in the rough neighborhoods. That makes sense. And so you talking touch base a little bit about the sales story. Thank you for that, which is a segue into my next yeah. question. So you're talking about looking into the C properties and better neighborhood. How do you identify those properties? What consider as C property and what is considered as good neighborhood or good area? So an appreciating market is always great, depreciating markets. And all you have to do is just Google like any area, any population. I'll give you an example. We were moving forward on a property in Helena, Arkansas, and we tied it up under contract, but then we passed on it. And this is a humbling experience to share something that didn't come to fruition because there's so many gurus out there and speakers and coaches and mentors that only talk about great things. And it's like, come on, not everything's great. Like things happen. Yep. And we realized that this area, it was a depreciating market. And if you Google Helena, Arkansas, you're going to see on the grid where it shows the population declining and a declining population. No one's going to want that. I mean, I do business in two ways. I, I wholesale property, which is wholesaling commercial. So we tie it up. If we see that it's a great deal, then we'll move it out to my buyer's club. And I have over 35,000 people on that platform. So I have folks that are hungry to buy these deals with creative structures. But when I take something like Helena and we start digging into the due diligence in the first couple of weeks, we decide not to send it out to the list because it's a disservice. We're not here to sell bad deals. We're here to offer good deals to people that want to do good business. And I mm -hmm. think that type of positive flow and positive energy does good for everybody. And it's a win-win. What differentiates a C-class from an A-class is obviously the quality and condition and new build. But when you're starting to look at the depreciating markets and areas that are maybe not in the city, but in the county, but they're annexed in, they're basically off the beaten path, low population, 2,000, 3,000 people, or even less. Those are just deals that no one really wants. And so just be careful. Commercial real estate is caveat emptor. That's Latin for buyer beware. It's not a full disclosure business. So you got to make sure that you conduct your proper due diligence. And that's why I do the teaching and training that I do before I welcome someone aboard to actually partner with me. Got it. Got it. And Terry, that's another segue as well. You mentioned about teaching and training. Will you tell our listener a little bit more about your teaching and training program? Yeah. So I do things quite different. I wouldn't say I despise the gurus, but I definitely don't consider myself one. I mean, I've spoken, you mentioned on my intro on countless stages and shared stages with a lot of the people that are very well known on uh, all social channels. But I do things quite different. My business comprised about 20% bringing people on doing the coaching and mentorship in office. But my boutique firm that I have out in Malibu, California, we have offices in Las Vegas, Salt Lake, and also in New York City. And what we do in-house is we run an acquisition firm. So we're constantly educating, but we're also 80% of the business is actually doing commercial real estate. So I have portfolios for sale that your people, if they look, they're going to find them more than likely on LoopNet and these other places because that's what we sell them. 
And so we'll reposition property. I always say everything's for sale, but the wife, mm-hmm. the dog, and the kid. <laughs> so <laughs> we're always out there marketing our properties and our portfolios. Like I mentioned, the self-storage game, we'll go and we'll take 100 units, 300 units, 200 units, another 100 units, and then we'll get to about 1,000 units on our portfolio. And then maybe our debt stack is a couple million dollars at the end of the day, 3 million, whatever. But then we'll go trade it back. And when we trade it back, like we have a property that's on LoopNet right now, and we're offering it for 3.6 million and our debt stack is 1.1. So you can see the spreads there. We're here to make millions of dollars, not just hundreds of thousands of dollars. If we wholesale something, it's got to be a minimum of $100,000, six figures minimum, or we're not even going to wholesale it. And if we're going to close it and reposition it and create a portfolio, there's got to be seven figures, which is a million dollars. So we're talking much bigger numbers in commercial. What I've done is I put together eight different curriculums of training along with a way that I meet with folks a couple times a month, all virtually, just like we're doing, to hold them accountable and to give them the credibility of my past dealings of 25 years. And I have some programs for folks if they're interested, they could reach out and I offer that mentorship. And any investment somebody makes with me to get educated, they get it back off the top on a performance-based preferred return. So as long as they do business with me and they bring an offering, a deal, and I can help negotiate it and put it together, then what I do is actually return that capital off the top. So before I make a dime, they get their investment dollar back. And my hope is that we're 50-50 partners and I provide all the heavy lifting, all the capital resources, the 25 plus years of negotiations, uh, tactics and strategies and skill set of doing the business of commercial. Got it, got it, Terry. Thank you and so course, much. I welcome that. you. Yep. Yeah, and I always welcome my clients, and you can too. Uh, you can come out to beautiful Malibu, and our offices are Class A, and I have clients come out all the time for day trips. So it's a community, more like a family. Once you come aboard, we're here to do big business, and it's all about the generational wealth building. That's awesome. And Terry, what advice would you give to real estate investors who investing in the today's market to be a successful real estate investor? So my advice is, as I mentioned earlier, tread water lightly. I'm a huge fan of Mr. Warren Buffett, and I've met Mr. Buffett several times. And just a couple quotes. One is that he says, hey, let's look for six-inch bars to step over, not seven-foot bars to jump over. So a lot of times we put our best foot forward and our best intent to do big business and to do great business, but sometimes we're running uphill, kind of like trying to put a land deal together when it's not income producing as Mm -hmm. an example. That's like running uphill, right? We want to get the easy deals. Warren says, look at a lot of pitches and the swing when you're good and comfortable. So keep your posture, get educated, make sure that you understand the ins and the outs. As I gave you the tip of knowing things before you're going to even ask for seller financing, all that comes into play before you actually invest in commercial, understand the game and don't listen to broke people. Because if you listen to broke people, then you're going to emulate their unfortunate lack of success. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure that you choose the right person and move it forward. Yeah, exactly. Take massive action. Yep. Mm-hmm. Terry, thank you so much for spending time with me today to talk to me about your real estate journey, to talk to me about finding off-market deals and also selling, finding, approaching sellers to make a win-win situation. And also a lot of tips for our listeners to get started with the commercial real estate and also like training program as well. So Terry, I really appreciate yeah. your time. So if our listener wanted to find out more about you and your company, where can they go? Yeah. So it's my name, which I'm sure it'll be published here on this podcast which is terryhale.com. They can reach me there. And if anyone here would like to receive my 
ebook, I'll be happy to drop it on you. The two best strategies to profit with commercial real estate. That is a self-published and authored book by myself. And I'd love to put that in their hands. So if they do want that, all they have to do is just reach out. I'm huge on support. So it's support at terryhale.com. That is my direct email, support at terryhale.com. I always check that inbox. So if anyone um, happens to send me a direct message there, I'll make sure that myself and my team, we get back to you promptly. And yeah, if someone's interested in the educational piece and partnership piece, all you have to do is reach out and we can have a casual discussion about it. Awesome. Terry, thank you again for your time. We appreciate you. Absolutely appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Have a great one. You too. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Zayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonavestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.